Hello and welcome to the fifth installment of the viral talk format called Ask a Professional. This episode series consists in a set of interviews where I'm going to be in the company of virologists from around the UK and the world. From SARS-CoV-2 to vector-borne viruses, we're going to cover lots and lots of cool topics in virology. But most importantly, we're going to have the chance to ask two actual experts about their research and their career paths. Before the beginning of the episode, as always, I remind you to subscribe to the Viral Talk on Spotify or any podcasting app you are listening to this from, to follow the Viral Talk on Instagram and X, formerly Twitter, and if you can, to leave a review on the episode on podchaser.com. It really is a massive help in making the podcast grow and reach new people, and also to get very important feedback on what we might be lacking and what we might be better. But now, without further ado, let's go viral. Hello and welcome to the Viral Talk, the podcast that makes virology easy. I'm your host Federico and today I'm joined by research group leader in the Division of Virology at the University of Cambridge, Dr. Nerea Irigoyen. Hi Nerea and welcome to the show. Hi Fed, thank you very much for the invitation. Well, thank you very much for being here. I know it's been a very busy day, so I actually wanted to take some time before the beginning of the episode. Thank you for your availability. You did an amazing talk with lots of amazing science, which I hopefully we're going to talk a little bit about today. Um, before we begin, as always, as I've done with the other guests, I would like to explain to you what the Viral Talk is about. So the Viral Talk is a podcast that was born in order to give to people that do not have a background in biology, or virology, or any sort of ology, um, a, a basis so to explain the basics of what a virus is, what, we're, where we're trying to explain questions like how do viruses infect us, how can uh, viruses jump host and, be, and establish zoonosis, what is a zoonosis, and so on and so forth. But then the series in which you are a guest today of is um, Ask a Professional was actually uh, a way to ask actual experts in the field about their science, why it's, it's important and explain to people that do not have a background in biology, what is it that we do on our day-to-day -day in the laboratory and why uh, this can be very useful information. Also, in this episode series, we're definitely interested about the science, but we're definitely more interested about the person behind the science. Because with the Viral Talk Ask a Professional, we actually want to let people know that we're basically just people trying to do our best to understand viruses, to understand the threat they pose for us, so that maybe in the future, if anything bad were to come to happen, we have the answers ready at our disposal. So I guess that without further ado, after this brief introduction, I think we should move definitely into the questions. The first of which I'm very interested to know the answer to, which is um, what is it that led you to pursue a career in science? What is it that made you think, I really want to study viruses? I think that is basically curiosity. That's so when I was very, very little, I used to be playing. Like, I, probably you have done this, I'm not most of us have done when we were kids. Like basically when you get the piece yes. and you went between like wet cotton. Yeah. Right? yeah. And then you see like how it's making the roots and then how it's growing. So I used to do that when I was very, very little, but I don't know, let's say like four or five years. And I was like every single day I was just measuring like how long were the roots, how they were growing, so how the plants were do it. So it was just basically like, wow, I really like to do that and really want to experiment with this. And at some point I was getting like the petals of the flowers, put them in alcohol, trying to extract like the different colors. 
And I think that's something that my parents also was kind of like, okay, if you like to do this, just continue to do this. I was just getting like, a lot of games to play, and I really like history and biology. And if you ask me why I wanted to do biology, so to be honest, when I was little, I wanted to be an archaeologist. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we all wanted to do that. Yes, exactly, because fossils, they're Yeah, cool. and all the pyramids and the ancient Egypt and all of that, and, you know, the, oh, the Atlantida, or I wanted to find it. So these kind of things. Then it turned into move into more into also astrophysics. So I quite really like physics and how the planets and the different galaxies and all of that and then I remember my physics teacher in high school telling me that but you know astrophysics is much more boring than you think it's not <laughs> basically looking in telescope and doing just going to be measuring and then just trying to analyze that so, okay and then in doing that moment I quite really like biology and chemistry and something that was finding fascinating were microbes um, probably because when I grew up, it was when the HIV pandemic was kind of starting in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So I was yes. feeling like I, something I was always very impressed. Because when you were going to a doctor, you was having like all these posters, like how to prevent HIV or you should be tested. You should be using like uh, contraception and condoms. And, things. and it was like, wow, that was like super intense for me. So I thought like, wow, viruses look like something very fascinating. And that's something that I kind of doing it when I was doing my undergrad. It was more like viruses, microbiology, genetics, all these kind of things. Yeah, okay, that's that's a very cool answer. So uh, I think I'm starting to see a pattern with also other people that are coming to show. Not, not, not all the guests have come here, but some of them definitely, we, which I also resonate a lot, is, is that kind of curiosity that, 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 that drives you. It's like, the, how does things work? How do things work? Like, how, do, how can we explain how stuff is the way it is, and I think I think, but it, but I don't think that it's very impressive that at the age of four or five you were already thinking about measuring and extracting and. Well, um, no, yeah, but it was like it was just to play, right? Because I was, I mean, I was the only kid, and I got my brother, but I was kind of eight years already, so yeah. I have to be playing on my own, like for a very long time. I was like. I mean, I didn't like dolls, right? For me, it was super boring. I quite like Legos. <laughs> so I was just building things. So I was always trying to experience, like, a lot of things. So I think that, that yeah, that's, so let's kind of play with other things that... That's that's very nice. And I think, yeah, I think that sums up the the, the spirit of a, of a researcher is that curiosity that they're trying to experience. So, well, I think... I think my opinion, but I think you definitely chose the right, uh, the right career. At least for now, right? You never <laughs> yes, know. Exactly. You never know. You never, you never know. know. But no, but I think it was like a, the normal career that I could pursue. You could always have your break into Hollywood. You never know. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it was like I don't think I was going to become a lawyer like doing this when I was a child. So it didn't look like that. So <laughs> that's that's fair. So uh, okay, so since you have always had this interest in in science, in discovering and learning new things, I guess that what the question, which is the follow up to this one, is what is that you're trying to learn now in your own lab, and so what is the research that you're uh, carrying forward? And if you can explain, please bear in mind that some people that might listen to this do not have a background in biology, do not have a background in biology, so. Uh, complex terms like like operating frames, expression, translation, all these kind of things might not be ex- very simple concept for them. If you can explain in simple terms what you're doing now in your lab, so what is your uh, virus of interest and why it's important. So why is this research, can this research be important 
for the future and in general for the wider society. So, yeah. So my lab is uh, currently interested in studying Zika viruses. So maybe you might remember that before the COVID-19 pandemic, it was kind of a quite a big problem in South America, especially in Brazil, 2015 and 16, when there were like all these babies that were grow were born in, were born with very small heads. Yes. And this is what we call microcephaly, right? So just basically meaning like a small head. Yeah, yeah. And then when they were checking what was this related, they, uh, they saw it was that due to a virus, because it's called the Zika virus. And this is a virus that is transmitted by mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. And these are regions in the planet like with a lot of mosquitoes and a lot of viruses that can be transmitted by mosquitoes. So uh, for me, that was kind of fascinating because I've never heard about this virus until 2015. And it was like, and I remember even like the head of the department was like a very big phobe in viruses was asking me like, what do you know about this new virus called Zika virus? I like, well, I think that it's not, maybe it's not so new. So like, yeah, but we've never heard about that. So yeah, that's true. We've never heard about this one. And, and I thought, oh, I really want to start to study this because I was just getting more into this uh, mosquito-borne viruses. So all these viruses can be transmitted by mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. And something that I thought it was very, very interesting, that was a virus that was mostly affecting pregnant women. Yes. And I was like, all this part of like, okay, so this is virus is basically targeting a population that is going to be like, it's a very important population, of course. But, but is, uh, but they are going to be somehow neglected if they are having all these problems. And it was the social consequences of this virus in Brazil has been extremely, extremely long term. So then I hear about like, well, uh, these are communities where people don't normally get like quite a lot of access to contraception or sexual education. So when they were having all these problems with these babies that were born with small heads, there was a lot of a stigma, not only for the babes, but also for the mothers. So they were just basically expelled from those communities without getting their correct See, support. I had no idea about this. And I was like, this is awful because, I mean, they couldn't have prevented that. Yes. And also in most of Latin American countries, uh, um, abortion is illegal. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, that I know. So and so it's illegal, and even sometimes if you have like a normal, like not a normal abortion, like it's like a natural abortion, you can even go to jail. Yeah, like an accidental abortion. Yeah, it's an, and because they might be saying that you didn't really take care of yourself, and you wanted to have a miscarriage. So for me, also, I learned that during the peak of the uh, outbreak in Brazil, the fourth leading cause of death in women was illegal abortions as well. Oh, wow. Because they knew they didn't want to have babies with problems because they knew they're going to be completely sold out for the community, right? Because sure. no one wanted to be with them or even the partners, they want to support that. So I thought, that, well, this is a real problem and this is happening here, but this can be expanded to other regions. And this is when we started to learn like, yeah, so in Southeast Asia, this virus is also present and it's also present in Africa. And no one really knows what is really happening because no one realized that this might be causing problems with fetuses or babies. So my lab is interested in checking like why, how this virus can produce problems in the brain, how mm. it can infect and what are the consequences of that. Of course. So we want to see what happens in terms of the humans, like how the, we as humans are responding to the virus and how the virus is somehow changing to provoke this. 
And the other important thing that we want to learn is to compare this American virus that has been causing all this problem with the first virus that was identified for Zika virus that was isolated in Africa. Which, like, if I remember correctly, was identified, like, in the 60s, but it was, like... Yeah, it was 1947. Sorry, 47. Yeah. Apologies for people listening. Um, yeah, I was identified, and it was never thought to be linked to any pathology or any disease. But our current research is actually seeing that this virus that is in Africa is causing much more, like, more problems than the other one. It's probably because it's a much more dangerous virus, and instead of allowing the, uh, the fetus to evolve, it's going to produce a natural miscarriage. So, that, which is actually in, very, very interesting, is basically, if you think about it, because it's like, before learning that this virus was slightly different, you would think yeah, that the one in Africa was just not doing anything. And then after learning that it's actually that it's very different, you start to figure out that in Africa it's doing much worse, and, that's, um, and we just never picked that up before this kind no, of research. And yeah, and this is it's talking very bad about the public health and how this is monitored in Africa. Like, okay, so we are assuming because there are so many diseases, so many viruses, so many problems that if there are like a bunch of women having miscarriages, we might be assuming, oh, this is because, I don't know. Everything else. Anything else, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's another pathogen or maybe it's like a, uh, the feeding or the food they are eating is not the correct one, so they're not undernourished or things like that. But then actually we should really pay attention to all of this. Why is this very, very important? Is because due to climate change, we are having a massive expansion of these mosquitoes that can transmit not only Zika virus, but also dengue virus. Yes. And um, we can see, for example, like in continental Europe, we are having like quite important outbreaks for dengue virus. And we always thought that, oh, it's going to be like a tropical disease, but no, it's not so tropical any longer. If you're in Spain, if you're in France, you're in Italy, you can be easily be infected with dengue virus. So I think this is a problem that we have. If it's not going to be dengue, it might be Zika, and we really need to face that this is a proper challenge. And yeah. we still have some time to figure it out, but we cannot keep waiting until it's going to be like a massive problem. Absolutely. Again. Absolutely, which is like, I think it's uh, it's very topical, even given with, for example, with the COVID-19 pandemic, where, where we had like some signs that things could have gone wrong before and the, new pan the other pandemics could have gone, but then we didn't put in the effort early enough for prevention. And then after, after it, all, it came out and after the virus arrived, the, the, in general, the, 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 the governments from around the world started thinking more about prevention. Oh, actually, prevention is a very good idea. Screening all, all over the place is a very good idea, like looking for new viruses. So I think, I think it's very topical that, that, that we're, you're now doing the kind of work that could save us a lot of trouble in the future. But even though we are a bit delayed, because we knew, for example, about the presence of these mosquitoes in Europe mm. for the last 20 years. Well, I have to say it has expanded extremely, extremely fast because it was first identified 19 years ago. Uh -huh. And now you can find these mosquitoes sometimes in London. Oh my God. So it's basically whole continental Europe and it's starting to cross the channel. So, so, so I mean, and this has only happened in the last 20 years, right? So once that we have the mosquitoes, we should be aware that we're going to have these viruses very soon. Yes. So, yeah. So that's, I think... I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it might be a little bit late. We still have some time, but... So we still have some time, but we need to be aware, like, well, we have this. So it's, I mean, 
we should be stadium for people having dengue, for example, in Milan, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, because absolutely. Because people are getting dengue in Milan, even you might be thinking like, well, this is, it's not a tropical place, but yeah, you can get it that. Sure. So be careful, and if you have like some symptoms that might be related to flu-like symptoms and you don't really know why, yeah, maybe you should ask your doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Especially check whether it might be dengue or not, depending if you are close in a Mediterranean country, for example. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you very much for sharing that. I think it's very, very important and everything you said, I completely agree with you. And for people listening online, this is one of the reasons that we do what we do, which is uh, trying to prevent and understand and basically just to limit the potential damage that any of, the, of, the, of these viruses could be doing at a population level. Um, having said so, I think we can now move to another question, which, I, which I'm very also curious to ask you, because it, it kind of relates to myself as well, uh, but not only. So um, if you were to talk with people that might want to start a career in science, say like me, or even an earlier career stage than me, so master's student, uh, undergrad student, even people that are just at the final year of school, what is one advice that you would give to them? So what is one thing that you might have wanted to know before you started to, uh, like your career in science, your career in biology? I think the best advice is like science is frustrating most of the times. Yes. Oh, yeah, I agree. So 90% of the times you're going to do an experiment is going to fail. Not because you are doing it wrong, it's because there are many variables that you, or factors that you cannot control. But those 10% of the times that it works, you feel like you are the master of the universe because <laughs> you know everything. So I think that you should really, I mean, you need to be cheerful and enjoy your, what you, why you are doing science. Not really being like super uh, worried about like publications, records and things like that. I know this is almost impossible not to be, but they said try to be as... I mean, if you like what you're doing in the lab, just try to do it as much as you want. Yes. And I think that the moment that you start not to like this, just don't continue in academic science. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah. I mean, this is a very tough career. And it's frustrating. But I think that for me, even I've been like in this game like for what, like for the last 20 years, almost, it's like all those moments in which I can see something that no one else knows, for me, they're like, wow, that is incredible. So that I feeling. Feel that feeling is what makes me to continue into this. But I think that even for me, if I start to lose those moments, it's like, well, what's the point of continuing doing this? Because I, for yeah. me, this is what, I mean, it's the adrenaline, right? It's like, it's like a drug that gets you addicted because you can get those super good moments, even if you have most of them are like, oh, again, this hasn't worked, or the cells are contaminated with something, or... Yes. But this, so I think that you need to enjoy as much as you can what you are doing. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. And I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Um, and that's something like, for example, I've had like conversations with my girlfriend which, when she's seen me struggle with certain experiments that for weeks would not work. And then she'll be like, why do you keep doing it? And it's like, because if it works, it's amazing, right? And so, and, and so I definitely get that feeling. And sure, uh, also the, the fact that if you if the feeling stops, if that nice, you know, curiosity, that the pleasure of being in the lab, which is doing this work, stops, yeah, there's no point in continuing. No, yeah, and even if things fail, it's good always going to reflect, like, why has this failed? It's maybe because my hypothesis was not correct and maybe I should test another thing. Maybe there was something, factors that I couldn't control because I don't know, the cells were contaminated with something yes. or virus was wrong or 
something that you cannot really control. But it's like, yeah, just keep trying. Yes. And try to enjoy what you are doing. And But that's the thing. If you stop enjoying this, like, you can be doing science in multiple ways. So don't be stuck to something that you're not enjoying. Yes. It's not a well-paid job. It's <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> and you need to be working very long hours. And you are going to be thinking about your experiments, like, for a very... I mean, even when you're sleeping, right? So yeah, like, that's happened to me. Try to enjoy as much as possible. Okay, well, I love that. Thank you very much for sharing. I think it's a very great... So it's a it's a very great tip and something that you, you're not also you're not the first guest to suggest something along those lines so I'm starting to see a pattern here and I think, like, <laughs> so but I think it's, it's important and I think that reflects how life in the lab is so thank you very much for sharing that um, and now I think we we reached that section of, of the show where we have like a wild card so it if you want to add something that we haven't talked about that can be anything related to your lab, related to your science, but also not related to your science, maybe related to the University of Cambridge or related to anything else that you might want to share here, this is your chance to do so. So if you have like a publication coming out or a job or anything else, there's also no science. Well, it's just to let you know that I recently got awarded a very good Welcome Trust Career Development Congratulations. Award. Thank you very much. For <laughs> eight years to study how Zika virus the, uh, produce neuropathogenesis and neurotropism. And so if you are a postdoc and you are interested in neuroscience and molecular biology, please contact me because I will be hiring very soon. Also the same thing if you are a master's student or a PhD student and you would like to study how these viruses are causing problems in the brain and how we can target that to prevent the next epidemic. So a PhD student, other, other student, anybody else who's listening to this, I, I've just seen her presentation. It was amazing. I would definitely recommend you jump on this train and send an email or an application. So I will put on the show notes your either your email or a link to your profile on, okay. on the University of Cambridge so that they can have a starting point to see how to, how, how to uh, apply for this type of jobs. Um, well, thank you very much for coming to the show. I think we now have reached the end of this episode. It was really an amazing chat. I really enjoyed it from start to finish. Uh, before we let you go, listeners, I would kind of remind you to uh, follow The Viral Talk on Spotify or any podcasting platform you are listening this from, to also follow The Viral Talk on Instagram and X, formerly Twitter, because on those platforms I also publish additional information to explain for the science people or people that might be more interested what more in, de in detail what we have been talking about in these episodes. And, and last but not least, I think most importantly, if you can, if you have some time to leave a review of the episode on podchaser.com. This is extremely fundamental because it gives us the chance to have some feedback from additional people to change what can be changed and also to consolidate what you people from home think is good. Thank you very much. See you next time and let's go viral.